Welcome to Schneps Connects. This is your host, Josh Schneps. I'm happy to have on the show today a friend and a community activist that I've known for some time, Wellington Chen. In his current role, he's executive director of the Chinatown Bid and the Chinatown Partnership LDC. He's the guiding force for the overall direction of both organizations, including strategic repositioning for the future. We all know that Chinatown has been devastated through COVID's impact, and his role is more important than ever. Obviously, it's home to a large population of Asian residents and businesses and fantastic restaurants. Um, Walton is the first Asian American to serve on a community board, which was in Queens, and he has a long track record of community engagement with decades of civic service. Wellington has been in a lifelong pursuit of solutions for community resuscitation and rejuvenation. He was born in Taiwan and grew up in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Brazil before coming to the United States to obtain his architectural degree. And he is also a graduate of the Coro Neighborhood Leadership Program. So Wellington, it's great to have you with me. Great to see you, Josh. So I think a lot of people, you know, particularly myself, we live and we work in New York City because of its fantastic diversity. And, you know, nowhere maybe is as kind of well-known as Chinatown. Um, it's always been a terrific community and, and vibrant and very busy um, destination for tourists and, and residents alike. So tell me a little bit about what's been happening in Chinatown through uh, the impacts of COVID. Well, thank you. First, I have to thank you for inviting me to the, your fabulous show uh, this morning. Uh, I would say that uh, in one word, we were the first to take the fall and we are still uh, trying to come back, not only from the first virus, but the second one as well. So talk to me in terms of what that looks like. So early during the pandemic, before there was an outbreak in New York, as you know, the first case that uh, was in March, we started noticing, Chinatown started noticing a, 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 a drop in visitorship as well as uh, um, the foot traffic. And so we, uh, so that was partly due to the results of some people taking precautions, start staying away early, uh, just to be uh, uh, careful. Uh, but we noticed uh, by early February, uh, there was a severe drop, like a drop off the cliff. Um, mm. All the restaurateurs uh, remember February 7th as a day that the, the customers stopped coming, so to speak. Um, and as you know, that was a month before there was an outbreak. Uh, and lately, um, we are suffering the lingering effect of the second virus, which is that um, uh, people uh, need to find uh, someone to blame and they are targeting uh, the Asian community. Um, and, and so we are suffering, as you can see, all the headlines, um, elderly being punched. 68% of the, the victims are Asian women and uh, a good chunk of them uh, Asian ladies. And, and uh, you know, so that is very, very unfortunate. Well, it's very scary to see what is transpiring with anti-Asian sentiment. So what do you think could be done, you know, Wellington, to, to really, I think it's to communicate to people that um, clearly are not knowledgeable, but right. what, what other things do you think need to be done to, to end this really uh, this wave of uh, anti-Asian sentiment that, that's happening? 
That is a great question. And early on during the pandemic, we consulted a crisis management expert, mm. uh, Eric. Uh, and, uh, and he warned us that history is about to repeat itself. Mm. Because apparently we human beings, uh, after a pandemic, after yellow fever or cholera, uh, will need to find a scapegoat. Uh, besides hitting uh, the bottle for alcoholism, uh, substance abuse, the self-abuse, right? And then the second item that, that typically will happen is that you abuse your 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 loved ones. Uh, that is domestic violence will, because you're cooped mm. up, you're out of work, uh, you stayed at home and you will attack somebody. Uh, and that is your loved one. And then the third item is that um, the, the, our human nature, for whatever reason, uh, will need to attack a stranger uh, uh, because we need to find the scapegoat. Uh, and that's uh, he warned us that you can donate $10 million of mask and PPE, but put on your helmet. And he is absolutely right in hindsight. Um, and so your, the answer to your question is really about public awareness. Um, we, we need to let people know that you don't need to hit the bottle. You certainly don't need to hit your wife. And, and then you definitely do not need to hit a stranger because I, we call it now the brown zoo tiger syndrome, right? The, the brown zoo tiger is the first animal in the brown zoo to get the, the virus, but the brown zoo tiger has nothing to do with the virus. It's not that, you know, the, the tiger wants to. And more importantly, the Asians that are being attacked are not just Chinese. And even if it's Chinese, many of them have never been to Wuhan. Many of them don't speak the language. Many of them have never been to China. Um, and whether you're Malaysian, Filipino, uh, Singaporean, uh, you know, you, Korean, uh, they all got dragged into this uh, vicious um, whirlpool of uh, spiraling downwards. You know, it's a terrible thing and it can't be tolerated. I think that's right. one message that has to be held clear is that anyone that does these types of actions will be persecuted. Yeah. And you're absolutely right, because it is an attack on one is attack on all, because this is, uh, you know, the history with the Jews uh, 100 years ago experienced the same uh, phenomenon. So did the Irish. Uh, so so did the, the Italian-Americans and, and and so unfair. And so um, the, the way that we can band together is really by uh, in solidarity, show of support, uh, come mm -hmm. down here. Little Italy can use the help as much as yeah. Chinatown. Uh, the, so we are very grateful to uh, uh, that um, the, uh, 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 Vicky Schnapp uh, helped launch us together the uh, Warm Hearts NYC campaign to encourage New Yorkers, um, not because of anti-hate, but just to come down and support all the um, uh, lower Manhattan uh, small businesses because there are thousands of them and yes. because uh, people have not returned to their offices and to their to their uh, tourists certainly have not returned to the 67 million level and we need New Yorkers to support one another and, as well as visitors from nearby uh, what NYC and company called uh, you know um, uh, drive and rail uh, that if you feel within walk, driving distance or you can take the rail to come into New York uh, come on down because we have 9-11 memorial uh, the Statue of Liberty ferries not too far away mm -hmm. seaport um, and so we could we could use all the help we can get. Well, listen, that's a big mantra that we beat the drum to is support your small business, you know, be a tourist in your own city, because I think the foreign tourism is going to take longer to come back than local tourism will. Yes, absolutely. So talk talk yeah. a little bit more with your hat of being um, 
head of the bid in the partnership. So obviously right. economic development you're talking about, I think um, also community safety because that plays into business as well. So what other you know strategic goals do you have coming out of the pandemic um, with the bid and the partnership? Yeah, that's an excellent question. As you know, the same question was posed to the head of the uh, the president of the hotel association because hotel is suffering badly and mm. obviously without 67 million tourists and the business uh, travelers, uh, they're suffering. And they were interviewed, uh, uh, he was interviewed, and his number one thing is the wide reason we formed the Business Improvement District, clean and safe. Yes. He said, if you want to set New York back to the recovery, just like in the 70s, in the 80s, is number one, uh, if you cannot feel safe, um, you lost half the battle. And if you're not clean, if people are afraid, uh, full of graffiti, uh, you know, uh, uh, and so um, that's the reason we are learning from the 60s and the 70s why there are now 2,000 bits around the world uh, and uh, there are 76 in New York um, and if it weren't for the pandemic, there would have been 80 business improvement districts uh, and we are one of the 10 Chinatowns in North America that has a business improvement district. So for me, that is in baseball terminology, first base. We have yeah. to achieve, we're not out, right? Because the 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 bid will, will be here for a long, long time. And it's infrastructure, much like the New York City subway, much like the Croton Reservoir, much like Central Park is the lung that gives you some breathing room. Um, the, the bid is like a caring parent that says, I care about the future of this kid. And I want to make sure that he, he's safe or he or she is safe and the journey is clean and that they have a bright future. And that's why we initiate the lighting uh, as soon as we started, even before we formed the bid, we started the lighting uh, as soon as uh, the, uh, the street was semi-presentable. Uh, well, I think quality of life is the key to every quality community is making yes. sure that it's clean and it's safe because that leads yeah. to everything else. That's like the foundation. Exactly. You know, I always love coming to Chinatown for dim sum. I mean, yes. that's my that's my you know greatest pleasure yes. when it comes to you know culinary experiences. Yeah. But a large part of it is because it's very communal. Yes, you're in a big room with yes. a lot of people, and I always love being one of the few Caucasian people because I always say <laughs> that, that's the key when you know you're at a good dim sum restaurant. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, when you think of Chinatown, I mean, you're largely thinking about the restaurants. I think uh, whenever I think of Chinatown, I'm always thinking about those big dim sum restaurants or the large restaurants or the fresh food stands or fruit mm -hmm. stands or right. fish stands. Right. So, you know, I, I imagine that a huge part of your economy is around, um, you know, restaurants. Yes. Yes. So talk to me particularly about the restaurant owners, because, you know, it's not just the restaurant owners, but their employees too. Yes. So what's happening there economically speaking and, and where do you see it starting to come back? Yeah, and that's a great question uh, because as you know, because the Chinese meal, whether it's dim sum or, or a banquet that are serve you 12 courses or 10 courses mm -hmm. are meant to be shared and sit down. So that was one of the fundamental early weakness that we had it's not meant for takeout, it's not right. meant for delivery. Even if you have a banquet, you don't want, you know, by the time you get all 12 courses delivered simultaneously, um, they're not all necessarily piping hot, right? That's why the dim sum carts have the, the, 
the, the steam underneath it and the uh, the warm to keep it, uh, each plate warm and you you serve one at one at a time and you have hot tea with you're it. getting me and, hungry Wellington you're getting <laughs> me hungry. come on down soon I know. time for you to visit soon the weather is getting warmer yeah. so it took a major hit because dim sum and I mean as you know uh, the Chinatown business model requires on volume the, yes. the, the the food business is a low profit margin to begin with and so when as soon as you lost not only the 67 million tourists you lost the 300,000 daytime workers that normally comes to daily in lower manhattan mm -hmm. and only one-tenth of those are back in their office um it doesn't take a genius to figure out that you can't do the math that way and so as a result we lost one of the um, couple most of the uh, a lot of the big banquet uh, uh dim sum halls mm -hmm. have have uh, suspend the operation or looking to relocate or some of them have closed. So what about the comeback? You know, they just opened up vaccinations for everyone yes. across New York State. And I think that that's a huge indication that uh, that there is a supply of vaccine right. and hopefully that will get many more people vaccinated. What are you hearing from restaurant owners? Do they feel that there's optimism coming soon or are they still very cautious? I have to give credit to these uh, resilient uh, uh, fighters because much like New Yorkers, they are very, very tough. They, they want to hang in there and they are trying to make it through. Their expression, the majority of the, the most frequent expression I hear all the time is, I live day by day. Uh, I'm not trying to make a profit. I'm just trying to keep my waiters, my staff employed. And sometimes they even rotate their staff. You work mm -hmm. Monday. Uh, he will work Tuesday and somebody else will work Wednesday. And so as at least to keep somebody uh, keeping the restaurant still uh, open and uh, partially uh, uh, hiring some of the staff back, but obviously not the whole full staff because you don't have the same volume of business. And so it is, um, but long term wise, the beauty of this is the reason we all miss dim sum so much and all the great food is because the just like the Italian culture, Chinese value uh, the food, value cooking, and the culinary expertise uh, evolved over thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So after we come out from this fever or chill, um, we're not going to say we're going to stop eating. We, I'm sure yes. we're going to say I yearn to be sitting down, um, your grandmother or whoever, and your loved ones, and just say let's have a great meal together. And that we believe is advantage that you don't have to fear Amazon uh, or Etsy or somebody else uh, taking away because it's still very much a social and sharing a joyful experience plus the good food. So long term wise, it, you, you, uh, we believe that uh, you know people's fundamental is human beings are not going to stop eating, especially when it comes to good food like Little Italy in Chinatown. But the, all the experts agree and all the analysts agree that it will be a long and winding couple of years. Wellington, what about all the employees? You know, I imagine a lot of them potentially commute into Manhattan from Flushing or other parts of the city. Yeah. And, and I have to imagine that a lot of them may not either be eligible or know necessarily how to get unemployment. Right. How, how are these people surviving? Yeah, that's a great question. Number one, as I mentioned, they suffer from two viruses, right? Number one is that if you come from Flushing, that is known as the real Corona Express. As you know, 
Uh, besides the Bronx, that was the highest infection rate neighborhood. You're going through mm -hmm. Elmhurst, Corona, and you know, and there were literally people that jump off the building, uh, and, and because you know they couldn't stand the pressure and the despair. Uh, and so during the pandemic, these were the frontline workers, right? So yeah. as soon as the pause happened, uh, uh, quite a bit of them, uh, you know, if they had to come to work, they had to come through that line, right? And then um, the uh, the language barrier, and then because of this is the one of the unfortunate business model, uh, uh, some of the eateries, because of the low profit margin, they pay the workers by cash. Mm -hmm. And as a result, there's no documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that is uh, one unfortunate phenomenon. Uh, but that's why I come back to the, uh, the business model. Uh, we have to start educating the public that the, it is the same lobster, it is the same fish, it's the same steak, same, uh, uh, you know, the, the poultry, the meat. Um, but somehow the mindset is when I get to Chinatown, I have to get a larger portion and a cheaper price. Mm. And, but that model used to be able to, they can sustain through, you know, whether it's paying by cash or something like that. But that is no longer possible given the severe drop in foot traffic and more importantly, the rise of the minimum wage. It's meant to help the, the, the workers as, as they should get a decent wage. Uh, but as a result, uh, if you sit there for half an hour, that waiter or waitress is seven fifty, and as you know, most of the Chinatown lunch a lot of times is not even seven fifty per plate. And I said, are you a nonprofit like me? Mm -hmm. uh, but even a nonprofit has to pay rent. Even a nonprofit has to pay uh, the, the the water bill, the uh, you know the, the insurance, the the lighting bill, the, the phone bill. Uh, and so I said, you really need to do a business. Uh, break-even analysis. So we got the Harvard Business School uh, alum with 50 volunteers on standby to tell them this is if you need to sit down with your landlord, if you need to do a, what what is the bare minimum you can do to break even if you don't even want to make a profit, what does that number look like? And so that was one of the initiatives we launched. In addition, yeah, that's one of the uh, uh, things. In addition, we tried to get them Help them apply for PP, uh, uh, P, and then the the um, you know so did so I'm glad to see that the um, some of the loans uh, a good percentage of them were applied by uh, uh, Asian Americans uh, entrepreneurs. You know that's an exciting partnership with Harvard, and that's a terrific opportunity for those yeah. business owners. Yeah, and and I must commend there are thousands of people who want to help the community. That's the that's what gives me long-term hope because so many people uh, believe that they can lend extended uh, a, a helping hand, uh, including AM New York, including you know uh, uh, all, all these uh, other volunteers that are coming together uh, to do all kinds of uh, initiative to to help stabilize. But obviously, the um, you know the numbers are so huge. You know the restaurant industry lost across this continent is $240 billion, right? Yeah, it's and just scary. To, and just a um, small amount, if you just want to loan a small amount of uh, money to help the, the existing uh, 300 restaurants, it's over seven and a half million. Uh, that just, that's not an easy number to raise by GoFundMe very easily, you know, yes. because very few people can understand. And that is not even 
good enough to last you uh, a month or two because right. their operating cost is higher than that per month. And mind you, they got closed over. Some of them to this day have not reopened and the meter is still ticking. Uh, and some of them, many of them owe a, a year of, of rent and taxes mm -hmm. as of right now. And so uh, that is, that's not a small bill. Just imagine what, what your, 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 your ground floor store rent in Manhattan is, yes. Yes. plus the cost of the minimum wage. So for example, Jing Fang has about 180 workers, right? 180 workers, do the math, um, just annually, uh, if, you were, if everyone, including the chef, is paying the manager, uh, the, uh, the bartender, it just pay a bare minimum wage of $15, that is over $5 million a year. Yeah, it's a big number. That's a it big impacts number. a lot of families. Yes, yes. And that is just to, it does, if you don't have to pay for the cost of the food, you don't have to pay for the rent, you don't pay real estate tax, you don't pay for the gas bill, you don't pay the lighting bill, you don't pay for the insurance, you know, just purely for the payroll alone. That yes. means that you have to at least break even $15,000 in profit just to pay the salary. And yes. you can see, yes. And so that is, uh, that's why, you know, the restaurant industry losses in the billions is not in the, in, in the uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, millions. Share with me the project that you're working on um, with the New York City Department of Transportation with the wayfinding pilot. Right, right. I was so the, about yeah, that. yeah, that was uh, uh, already launched, and I'm I'm glad to see you know we have the fact the New York City DOT uh, back then uh, the number one uh, uh, intercept survey between Little Italy and in Chinatown surveys all independently confirmed that the tourists and the visitors to Ground Zero are not finding their way into Chinatown or Italy. A good majority of them simply cannot find their way because uh, the police headquarters is in our district. Uh, the five points is directly across from that, it's part of that security zone, uh, across from the security zone. So most of the, the and with so many checkpoints and uh, physical barriers underneath the highway overpass, underneath the bridges, um, even without the checkpoint, it's hard enough to, to find their way in. So um, the New York City DOT and, and uh, um, launched a pilot program to see, which is now so prevalent and common throughout the city of New York, and that is that uh, how, what's the best way that you can guide people, male and female, uh, to find their way, navigate their way up. Uh, so they do what is called a heads up um, map display, which is that instead of map is always facing north, they do a map the way you're facing forward. So mm. you have two sides of the map. Uh, one side is facing uh, one way, the other, the map on the other side is facing the other way. It gives you two radiuses. One is the, within five minutes of walking, within 15 minutes of walking, how far is that radius? And so you can look at it and just say, ah, this is doable. This is within walking, striking distance. And then the other thing is by a larger radius to see in the context of the area, where are you? And we were the first uh, uh, community to be on the test pilot. And it worked out so well uh, because it, uh, it helped put Chinatown uh, and Little Italy on the map. Uh, and yes. uh, I had to thank, and it was modeled after the London Wayfinding um, because they did a, a, a search and hired many consulting firms with beautiful graphics. And uh, so if you come to Chinatown, you will see two logos. 
uh, in our neighborhood. One is with the Chinatown bid on the lower right hand corner, and one is the Chinatown partnership on the on the lower corner. So those are within the Chinatown Business Improvement District. We have the bid logo. Those that are outside the district trying to intercept the you know, the people coming in, they're lost, and people says. Don't they start Chinatown? Uh, you will see the Chinatown Partnership logo on it, and that's thanks to the uh, generous support of uh, New York City DOT. That's terrific. Listen, anything that can give more visibility to people, the better. Yeah, we can't take for granted that everybody yeah. uses Google Maps. <laughs> yes, and that's the thing that we learned uh, that a male and female has a different way of guiding themselves. A certain certain uh, people will uh, will never look down on the floor for a map. Uh, some people navigate by landmarks. Oh, here's the Chrysler building. I head to a Chrysler building. They will never. So there are differences between male and female and how we uh, have the spatial orientation. And so we learn quite a bit during this process. About, but the job is not done yet. Well, part of the reason why we have this thing called the seven portals or the eight uh, gateways, people think it's about just putting a Gaudi Chinatown arch. No, all along is very similar to the Christmas story. If you need to find baby Jesus, you need to put something in the air to guide people. And so people uh, didn't understand why we were playing, putting uh, all this lighting in the sky and why we're putting welcome gateways on the key intersections, as well as uh, some of the iconic flying animals like the flying horse, the Chinese Amaya. Mm -hmm. As you see the Tang Dynasty, the Amaya horses, because a good horse is like a good uh, army uh, can charge forward. And so we put it as a way to help you guide the free wise men to find where um, the, the, the famous uh, Doya Street is and where uh, Pell Street is or where the soup dumpling is by extension because Zhou Shanghai yeah. used to be uh, hidden in that alley. And we said, uh, look for the flying horse and you will find, you'll find the soup dumpling. <laughs> I love it. Talk to me about, you, you mentioned earlier about the different Chinatowns across the country. So talk to me about what they have been saying to you, and if anything, ideas that you've heard from them to help uh, resuscitate the Chinatowns in the different areas. Yeah, so the, the Chinatown, uh, there are a couple of patterns, uh, pandemic or not, or 9-11 or not, the, the Chinatowns uh, typically uh, go through very much like Little Italy, Little Germany, uh, Little Ireland. There is an ebb and flow which is to say everyone came here to pursue their dream of a better life. And what most people forgot is that these ethnic enclaves are the, are the stepping stone uh, to launch into the hinterland, so to speak. Um, the Irish succeeded, the Germans succeeded, the Italians succeeded, and so did the Jewish. There used to be a million Jews down here. There used to be 400 blocks of German, uh, large, one of the largest concentration of Germans Americans on earth. Right? And they all uh, took off from here, sort of like a runway and took mm -hmm. off. So, so traditionally, um, just like the China, um, Chinatown followed in that pattern, which is that the satellite communities throughout North America tend to do better than the older historic core Chinatown. Because in the 70s and uh, earlier years, there was only one Chinatown and you must come to uh, this Chinatown. But now that you have so many more choices, and so many more alternatives uh, and more bang for the buck, a more, more modern facility, uh, up to the, at least have elevators uh, and that type of thing. So it causes all the Chinatown, historic Chinatowns 
to be at a disadvantage when competing because people want a better life and they vote with their feet. Uh, uh, and so that's how a million Jews um, went on to, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, Germans went up to Yorkville and from Yorkville went even further, right? So if you go mm -hmm. to Upper East Side now, uh, the, the, there's only a remnant of it. So the, the, the challenge for all of us is that uh, my way of, by way of analogy is that we are like the caterpillar that launched the butterflies. There are a lot of beautiful butterflies in this country that has to be credited with the, this launching pad. But now you deal with a, uh, a shell that has done its job and you say this should be vibrant and energy and you must visit the shell. Uh, that requires a different type of thinking and repositioning. And that's what I meant by uh, we are the fifth donkey. All right. The, the, the Germans tried it, the, the, the Jewish uh, community tried it, and, uh, and the Italian and the, the uh, Irish all tried it. And clearly, no one has succeeded in saying, we can stay here uh, in, a, in a very energetic, vibrant fashion. And it's not just in, in New York. You look across uh, Newark, New Jersey, which also have uh, Little Italy, uh, Little Ireland, Little Germany, Little Chinatown, they're all gone. Uh, in, in unfortunate in that case. And so is uh, San Jose, Chinatown, and things like that. So we are, history is telling us watch out uh, because the Italian veterans that fought the, uh, um, uh, um, the uh, Little Italy uh, uh, revitalization uh, warned us and says, uh, you guys be careful because your patterns and your symptoms look very much like us not too long ago. And they are absolutely right. So we really need to shift our thinking and, and reposition and engage the community, envisioning using this pandemic to say, what type of future would you like to see for your grandchildren? Yeah, well, I think also, you know, part of it is the evolution of uh, the neighborhoods because as different groups came in and settled in certain neighborhoods, right. you know, in, especially in Manhattan, the real estate became very valuable. Right. So they knock down the buildings and build bigger buildings and really change the identity of some of the neighborhoods. Right. So, I mean, if you had to look in a crystal ball, Wellington, what is your vision for Chinatown after the pandemic? The, the Chinatown needs to be connected. Right now, as you, the reason why we launched the wayfinding was that we are severely disconnected uh, because you still, every morning I walk through bomb sniffing dogs like in East Germany, DMZ zone, or mm -hmm. in Iraq, or, or in the Afghanistan, uh, in the security zone, right? So that is not a welcoming gesture. No one mm -hmm. dares to walk in and just say, you know, there's the guard tower, and uh, there's the, the security booth, and with the steel teeth welcoming you, right? Uh, and you, you, you hesitate in walking past that checkpoint, especially when it's deserted behind it, right? And so this is very much about that we need to, um, why we did the wayfinding. And and it's not just the uh, park road that's still closed and all the a huge block of uh, you know city security zone, there's also the federal security zone on the other side. So we are, what we call the South by Southwest is totally blocked. So we are trying to activate some of the simple gestures beyond the, the original wayfinding, which is to say, can we put some more lighting? Can we put more some more fixtures that will attract people to break through. And then the other thing is restore the, um, some of the uh, transportation links. Chinatown used to be the Starship Enterprise. We used to have 
um, buses that with 233 bus routes go to 70 towns and cities. That brings in about five to six million riders every year wow. since 1996. And that all got uh, 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 severed. So you cannot cut off, you know, it's bad enough the, 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 uh, the main uh, artery is still choked off 19 years after 9-11. Uh, but it's, I, I cannot accept, you know, that no community can take a hit when 233 bus lines, majority of them got severed because that carries about the equivalent of almost the visitor to 9-11 memorial, right, uh, every year. And that got uh, uh, splintered. And the other thing is also about that the mistake, the one of the lessons we learned from the other revival campaign is that you cannot just carry what I call a small banner. You cannot carry a mono banner that says, save little Chinatown, save little Tokyo. If you're not Japanese, it doesn't resonate with anyone. And so we must be inclusive, mindful that this is not just Chinatown. That's why we call it, it's everyone's town. It's your home. 40% of New Yorkers can trace their origin to someone living including the former mayor Bloomberg always talk on, on the press conference about that his grandmother lives on Mar Street, right? And how many of us can just say, uh, yeah, my family used to be there, yeah. Uh, and, and so we, we want to be, because the, the reality is that due to the migration and the churning, uh, most of the people are, uh, are, 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 the numbers that are there can no longer support the 3,000 businesses that uh, we must come on additional outside reinforcement, whether daytime workers, office workers, or visitors to stop by, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to sustain for the long-term future. So uh, in addition to that, you, we must um, figure out a place. Chinese have a secret formula for immortality, right? If you want, <laughs> this is what we're aiming for. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if you want a community to be relevant uh, and vibrant, sustainable future, there are two words, basically. A roof over your head, they call it a, a, a good shelter, meaning that your son and your grandson find that it's a very safe, comfortable place to stay. Mm -hmm. Well, despite all the thing about the, uh, thinking that Chinatown has been decimated, all the new housing has been built, the reality is south of Canal Street in the historic core of Chinatown, there hasn't been any housing built in half a century. Hmm. That is why we keep on chasing the wrong formula because we south, uh, the last time any major housing was built was Confucius Tower. And that was by Washington DC, federal government doing their share of the affordable housing. And that was the last time that was built. And thank God they were built because otherwise after 9-11, uh, or after Sandy would have been decimated. People would have fled to 8th Avenue, Sunset Park, and, and Brooklyn, and, and Flushing, and Elmhurst. Um, and then, um, you know, there is also the issue of, you know, you must have the second part of the, the, the immortality formula is that you have to find a place where people cannot wait to get out of bed, to either walk around, to work, or to enjoy their life. The quality of life, as you said, right? Quality yeah. of life starts with clean and safe. Beyond that, do I have a roof over our head? And as you know, the homeless issue is a severe issue for not only this city, 
this country, but worldwide homeless. And we have made ourselves so expensive around the world uh, by unnecessarily creating all these artificial costs that made it higher. So imagine if you were building housing back then with 625, now the minimum wage, even if you hire the cheapest apprentice is $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. How is that going to be make it more affordable, right? As a general phenomenon. Uh, and so this is the part that we need to uh, 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 target, which is to say, how can we make this place relevant again? The young, certainly among all the previous generation, no one ever made that a benchmark. Josh, when you graduate, make sure to come back here and take over that walk. No hmm. one ever said that, uh, whether it's the Italians, whether the Germans. Or so we have a, 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 a Achilles heel, which is to say, we launch the plane and never instruct them to land back where they started off from. And so we started the campaign by saying, this is your home, which is say, come back. Because if I, just like splitting an atom, if you all go out to the universe from this place, if I can call you back to the central focus area, there will be enormous amount of energy, right? That's a a good way to uh, explain it, right? So um, because we rely on volume, like a diet for the whale, right? You need a lot of herring. You need a lot, you need a lot of sardines, right? So that is required. So before the uh, tourists come back, before the uh, uh, the office workers come back, we need to prepare the platform. We need to reposition. We do need we need to clean up the uh, ex- our public realm uh, because our public realm, uh, as everyone will tell you, you go around the world, people have a very poor image of the streets of New York. They're filthy. They're not well kept. They're not the curbside appeal is not there. Uh, among all the big professionals, they will tell you when compared to other cities, other cities, especially like Tokyo or Spain, um, you know, Madrid, uh, you know, have power washing underneath their cars every night. Mm. You know, I, I, we always say how clean is clean. That's why a Spanish company won the uh, Beijing Olympics cleaning contract for the Beijing <laughs> Olympics, right? Because they are really clean. I always say they are free M for cleaning, right? You can have Mar Street clean, which is not that clean uh, when we started. Uh, and then there's Mulberry clean, which is very good. Italian doing much better. And then there's the Madrid clean, which put us to shame, right? Uh, because they they not only keep it clean, they power wash underneath the car every night. And so we got a long way to go, but uh, we, do, we benefit from the lessons and the landmines that the previous generation stepped on. So in a way, we have a better chance of succeeding because we should know better provided we don't repeat the same mistake again. The danger for us is that we are repeating the same anti-German sentiment of World War I and the 1918 pandemics, right? And attacking the German-Americans unnecessarily. And so, so why is it that you need to attack the Chinese-Americans that are serving in Afghanistan? Marine in uniform, whether Korean Marines or Chinese Marines in the US uniform gets spat on publicly. Yeah, that cannot be tolerated. Right. That cannot be. And Wellington, I mean, I think, you know, I commend you for your continued advocacy. And I think it's important that we all embrace our diversity. I mean, that's what makes this city great. That's what makes this country great. And I honestly think Chinatown is a big part of the culture of New York City. And that's at stake if Chinatown fails in terms of having the authentic businesses along the stretch of the community. But I think the biggest thing is for us to support our communities, our diverse communities, and our small business. 
Yeah, and the other thing that we are, uh, we have one tremendous ace card in our hand is that there's no one that can compare the history of this area. This is the source of the Nile. This is where you came from. And so most people do not even know that both George Washington, both the modern day China, George Washington, and the US China had a, had a presence here. George Washington has a second home just within our district where we want to put in the gateway, which is to say, can you light it up? Do you know that George Washington lived here? It's right next to the Brooklyn Bridge in Bachman. That's entry to Chinatown, right by Franklin Square uh, uh, Arch, which is right by Water Street, Pearl Street, meets St. James. And most American, even history buff, had no idea that was his home. There's not even a marker there. So that's why we wanted to put up a, a semicircular rope light there. And so that you know that this is a welcoming gesture rather than the steel teeth of a checkpoint, right? Uh, and just let you know that hey, this nation got its start here. The first electricity station was here. The first steam engine was here. The first light bulb, uh, the first toilet paper, for God's sake, right, <laughs> uh, was invented here. Uh, and so these are the tremendous assets that no one can compete with us. And same thing with Dr. Sun Yat-sen. Uh, he toppled the uh, Qing Dynasty by raising money, ra raising uh, the fund for mastery. And uh, they donate the money, they donate resources, and they donate the blood uh, with their lives. The, some of the uh, join in the movement and they die in the early uprisings to topple the Qing dynasty. Uh, and so there is a lot of hidden layers that if you only discover, you will be amazed just like Jacob Reese with the, you know, how the other half lived. And just remember the struggle of your earlier arrivals that your family endure uh, that is now in the Chinese apartment. My struggle is that how Jacob Reese is documenting majority of those housing are still there. Here we are over a hundred somewhat years later, it's the same tenement building, it's the same light uh, thing, it's the same lack of fire safety uh, egress. That's why, you know, a young couple died across the street from my office a few years back. I hmm. always remember them, they're in their early thirties, right? Uh, and so these are the, uh, the but, we need to have a dialogue about how can we stabilize it? How can we improve so that your children and your young children will think of returning either to visit or to work there or to stay there? Uh, and because Chinatown is in severe need of uh, numbers, there's no substitute for live bodies and we simply don't have enough live bodies coming in. Well, keep fighting, Wellington, and I'm looking okay. forward to having some dim sum with you soon. Anytime, I, I'll be delighted to show you. you know, the, uh, it's very similar to the Warm Hearts NYC campaign. You know what dim sum means? No. Touching the heart. See that? So we want to touch everyone's heart, and you will touch our heart by visiting. So welcome to Chinatown. That's why we say show some love. And the slogan, the latest campaign we're launching nationwide is called Have You Eaten Yet? Chinese way of greeting is not, hi, how are you? That's too casual. It's, there's a form of caring to say, have you eaten yet? And in the old days, they genuinely meant, have you eaten yet? Because due to the uh, famine, due to warfare, due to flooding, due to locust infestation, the, the, the first expression has always been, Josh, have you eaten yet? Meaning, are you okay? Do you have food? And so during this pandemic, it's sort of reminding people, have you eaten yet? There are great food in Little Italy. There are great food in Chinatown. Come on down and to support. And if you... So to those people that are in food insecurity, 
uh, we want them to support the people that are not okay. And that's why, you know, we ask people to write the warm heart messages, uh, much like Jimmy Stewart's uh, It's a Wonderful Life, Don't Jump Off the Bridge. Uh, we're coming in, uh, hang in there, we're here with you, we're not running away. Uh, it will be painful a couple of few years, but uh, you're tough fighters, uh, you can hang in there, you will overcome. And uh, we intend to uh, welcome everyone here and uh, celebrate together. Thank you again, Wellington, for being Thank on you. the next podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh, for this opportunity to let your audience know. When searching for Schneps Connects on your podcast networks, make sure to click subscribe to automatically receive each new weekly episode, or you can stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. Mm -hmm.